Well, as you, uh, as you know, we are in the home stretch, uh, the final stretch in the book of Hebrews, uh, the final chapter of, uh, of this great sermon slash letter. Uh, we reached uh, chapter 13 uh, last week, looking uh, specifically last week at verses 1 through 6, and today we're going to consider verses 7 through 19. Now, as you, as you may remember, the, the author of Hebrews has made a shift here. Okay, so he, he has moved from profound theological truths about the superiority of Jesus uh, to very practical day-to-day living. How do we live out our lives in light of these great truths? And he knows that it's not easy. In fact, we all know that life is hard. Now, we may not face the same uh, kind of persecutions and and suffering that the original hearers did, Uh, but we all know that it is all too easy uh, in the difficulties of life to get distracted, disoriented, to lose our way as we continue in this journey of life, this journey of faith. We also know that this journey can be very hard at times, dangerous as well. And so the, the author does something for us. He points us to our leaders and ultimately to the leader, the king and head of the church, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, our passage this morning, Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verses 7 through 19. And before we hear this part of God's word, let's go to him in prayer. Lord God, please do hear our prayer this morning. We thank you. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in the pages of Scripture. And we come before you this day because we need you to work by the power of your Spirit within us to open the eyes of our hearts to see Jesus. And so we ask that you would now open your word to us and to us, to your word. Amen. Well, Hebrews uh, chapter 13, uh, beginning with verse 7. Hear the word of God. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals, whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest, as a sacrifice for sin, they are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. 
Through Him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account to God. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this, in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. And this is God's Word. Well, again, life can be hard. It can be dangerous. Uh, the, The wilderness of life can be very dangerous. And thus, the journey of faith can be very difficult. Well, the writer of Hebrews wants to help us with this. He wants to to help us stay the course of faith as we journey through the wilderness of life. And so he points us to three things in this passage. Our leaders, the dangers, and our ultimate guide. Our leaders, the dangers, and our ultimate guide. And so first, he points us to our leaders, uh, verses 7 and 17 through 19. And so as you heard, our passage begins, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Well, simply put, God has given leaders, past and present, has given leaders to the church to love and serve the people by continually pointing them to Jesus uh, through the, the preaching and teaching of God's word, and also through their living out the very gospel that they proclaim. Now here the word leaders probably refers specifically to elders and pastors. Uh, For it says, those who spoke to you the word of God. Though of course we know that, that more generally there are many other leaders within the church as well. And here we're reminded of the importance of sitting under good, faithful teaching of God's Word. And sitting under that as a primary way to help us stay the course of faith as we journey in this wilderness of life. But that's not all. Church leaders are to actually walk the talk so that the people of God can imitate their faith. Those of us in church leadership are to live out the very gospel we proclaim so that you'll have a good example to follow. But how does that happen? I mean, how does that happen when we are just as sinful and flawed as anyone and everyone else? Well, what does God's Word tell us? What does the gospel say? It tells us that we are called to lead in part by continually living a life of repentance and faith. And that takes conviction. It takes courage. It takes compassion. It takes things that we do not have in and of ourselves. 
Now come back to that in just a moment because we need your help to live like that. But for now, it's enough to say that that we, elders and, and pastors, are not only supposed to point out the path, we're also supposed to walk the path with you. A pastor, Professor Mike Kruger says, church leaders don't get everything right, but not being perfect is, in fact, one way that we can show others a good example of what it looks like to daily depend on Jesus. By repenting when we sin, we model what it looks like to be a sinner saved by grace, following Christ faithfully, even and especially when we fail. And the Apostle Paul put it this way. In 1 Corinthians 11, he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In other words, insofar as I imitate Christ, imitate me. And when I fail, follow me in turning back to him through repentance and faith. Again, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then our passage ends, uh, verses 17 and following. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account to God. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I first read this passage and thought I'd be preaching it to you, I'll, you know, this is a little self-serving. And I thought, well, hey, I'm okay with that. It says, let my work be joyful, not groaning. That's a wonderful idea in Scripture. Let your ministers minister with joy. Well, I remember, I think it was about 11 or 12 years ago. Uh, at the time, there was a, a young man in the church. He's, he's moved on now, but he was in his mid to late 20s. And I remember getting an email from him. It was a couple of weeks after I had had preached on on seeing God's glory. And and he wanted to get together. A couple weeks later, he wanted to get together and and talk about how God was using that sermon in his life. And I mean, you know, talk about joy. I thought, sure, I'd be glad to get together so you could tell me how great I am, how powerful my sermons are. This will be great. So we met up for coffee. And, and I couldn't believe how much he remembered. He walked through the entirety of the sermon, and he said, you, you know, you, you were talking about seeing God's glory and, and how, like Moses, we too should, should ask. We should say, Lord, show me your glory. And you talked about how we, we, we can see God's glory in the spectacular for sure, but often it's really in the, in the day-to-day, the ordinary, the mundane. He said, and then I remember you talking about how we can, we can look to see God's glory in our, in our relationships, and, and especially in, in the midst of, of, of difficult relationships, relational tension, when things are hard, and, and how we've got to rely on God and go to Him for that, for that conviction, that courage, that compassion we need to engage. And I, I was like, wow, yeah. And I said, so I leaned in and I said, so, so are you dealing with a, a hurtful relationship right now? And he said, well, we're about to, to find out because I've been hurt by you. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. 
You know, what we're, no, no, we're not supposed to apply my sermons to me. This is for you to apply to you and everybody else. And seriously, though, it did feel like groaning at first. I mean, it was not a one-off conversation. In fact, we had a series of conversations, hard conversations, over the next several weeks. And these were conversations that pressed us both into Jesus all the more. We had to lean in to the awkwardness. We had to go to Him for the supply that we did not have in and of ourselves. But in the end, friends, it became complete and utter joy. And why? I mean, think about it. God at work restored relationship. The gospel on display, seeing God's glory, growth in grace for him, for me. Now, friends, that is real joy for any church leader. You see, all church leaders need the body of Christ, the rest of the body, as much as they need their leaders. We need your help to stay on track too. I mean, even the writer of Hebrews gets this. He knows his need for the rest of the body. And so what does he do in the last couple of verses of our passage? He asks for prayer. Apostle Paul did it. Writer of Hebrews does it. Pray for me and my struggle. Pray that I would live with integrity. Pray that I would be convicted of my sin, that I would grow in the grace, knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay, well, back to the first part of verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, clearly, the writer of Hebrews exhorts us not only to pay attention to our leaders and imitate their faith, verse 7, but also here to follow their instruction, verse 17. But Houston, we have a problem. And you know what the problem is? We don't like authority. We do not like it. We are allergic to it. I mean, we want to be the rulers of our own kingdom. We want to do it our way. Our way is the right way, and don't get in the way of my way. And so what does God do? In His gracious providence, He has given us leaders because we all too easily stray from the gospel as we seek our own way. And that's how we get lost in the wilderness of life. You see, God has given us leaders to help us stay the course of faith. Now, at the same time, and I want to be very clear about this, at the same time, we are not called to follow leaders blindly. Okay? As church leaders, it says here, we have to give an account to God. We are fundamentally under His authority. And our submission to His authority is reflected in how much or how little our lives are conformed to His gospel. As J.I. Packer often reminded us in seminary, ultimately we are all under the authority of God's Word, of God Himself. And you see, there are, unfortunately, heretical leaders out there. 
Also abusive and authoritarian leaders, bullies in the church. Their lives and teaching are not conformed to God's word. And we're warned about that in scripture, including here in our passage, which leads to our next point. Well, next, the writer of Hebrews points us to the dangers. The dangers, verses 9 and following. Uh, He begins by saying, verse 9, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Well, we live in a broken, fallen world, don't we? I mean, there are dangers all around us all the time. In fact, as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of Sunday mornings at church uh, when I taught uh, skiing out in the Colorado Rockies. And one of the neat things was our, our small mountain church, we had several members of the Summit County search and rescue team who were a part of our congregation. They would often be there with their search and rescue dogs, and we'd be worshiping together. And from time to time, and this was before cell phones, but, but folks had pagers, And from time to time, you would hear a series of these pagers go off in quick succession. Beep, 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 beep. And if you looked around, you would see these search and rescue folks just check, silence them. They would quickly get up and and silently uh, leave the the congregation, leave, leave our time of worship with their dogs. And whatever we were doing at that moment, whether we were singing a song, whether we were in the middle of the sermon, we would stop for a moment and we would pray. We would pray for these men and women who were going out on this search and rescue mission. We would pray knowing that they were going out in danger and knowing that someone had already been overcome by danger. And so we prayed uh, for those folks needing to be found and rescued. In fact, I was just reading the other day that there are over 4,000 search and rescue missions in our national parks every single year. It's a lot of danger. A lot of need. Well, again, the wilderness of life can be very dangerous. And thus the journey of faith can be very difficult. And so the author warns us, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Well, what's he talking about here? Well, well, specifically in, in our passage... What we come across is that many of, of, of the folks here, remember this is the book of Hebrews, uh, named after those people who received this letter, who received this sermon. Uh, they, they come from a Jewish background. And so many of them, now that they are followers of Jesus, now they are beginning to entertain some other thoughts. Maybe they should return to Judaism. This, this persecution, this suffering, it is just too much. Others, well, they're not going to just you know, kick Christianity out of the way, but they're going to they're gonna combine it with something. Maybe they will mix it up, mix the Christianity with their, their Judaism, you know, just for good measure, just in case. Kind of a, a Jesus plus something. Well, then it goes on to say in verse 9, it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods. And then that statement is followed by a, a few verses, verses 10, 11, and 12. And, and, and I realize that at first read, uh, they can seem confusing, convoluted. And so I'm just going to summarize it. I put simply, biblical scholars agree that these verses are referring to the Old Testament sacrificial system, where along within that system, the, the priests ate the food on the altar. And ultimately, what, 
what the author of Hebrews is getting at, the main point is this. That external rituals, special restrictions, religious systems are not the way to God. They're not. And you know, it's the same for us today. Any teaching about God that does not conform to His Word is dangerous because it is untrue. Any teaching that adds to Jesus' work on the cross or discounts the cross or minimizes our sin and need of the cross, it's dangerous because it's misleading. It's deadly. It'll send you over a cliff. In fact, I know of a church that once had a Sunday school class entitled Bad Christian Books. Bad Christian Books. Because you know there are, there are thousands of Christians every year who read popular, best-selling books that are marketed as Christians, but which actually lead the readers down unbiblical paths. And so they offer this class as a way to help them recognize false teaching. Now, of course, the best way to spot a counterfeit is how? You keep studying the original. You pay attention and keep studying the real thing. And so what does that mean for us? We keep going to God's Word. We keep looking to Jesus. We fix our eyes on Him. And that leads to our final point. Because again, the writer of Hebrews wants to help us, help us stay the course of faith as we journey through the wilderness of life. And so lastly, lastly, he points us to our ultimate guide. Verses 8 and 10 through 16. He points us to our ultimate guide. He points us to Jesus, the central figure the central message of the entirety of God's Word. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Commentator William Lane writes, Your circumstances may change, but He does not change. In a world characterized by instability, He remains the source of firm stability. You see, Jesus remains our solid foundation. His salvation remains unmoved and unmovable. His provision remains constant and true. And the writer of Hebrews reminds us, verses 12 and 13, That Jesus was crucified where? What does it say? Outside the camp. In other words, outside of the exclusive religious system of the day. A religious system that was set up merely always to only point to the one who was coming. It only ever pointed to him who would be the one true sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God Forever. You know what that means? Jesus' death outside the camp means that He is accessible to anyone in the world who will come to Him. 
He planted his cross in the world. Not behind the walls, not in a closed religious system, but out in the world so that all the world could have access. And there he remains permanently available. For he is the way, the truth, the life. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we must cling to him and continually go to him for his supply, giving us what we need, what he has, what we don't, but what he will provide. Because you see, God's grace, God's grace is not only his love that saved us, but also his power that continually enables us to follow him, to live for him. And so that means that we need his grace at the start of the journey. And also we need his grace as we continue the journey. For Jesus is our ultimate guide. And as it says in verse 9, it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by his grace. And so brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, Fix your eyes on Jesus. Continually rely on Him. Today and tomorrow and the next day. For He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus... Oh, Lord Jesus, how we thank you for your goodness to us. That you open the door to salvation for all who would look to you in faith, having been the one true and final sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God, that we might know peace with you and in you forever. Help us now, we pray. Help us to continually feed on your life-giving grace. For it is in your name we come, and in your name we pray. Amen.